chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're continuing our series on questions. Questions. We've been asked some questions last week. It seemed like for some I created more questions from what I tried to answer. And then some people said I got it completely. Then others were just thinking too hard about it. At the end of the day, God's will and God's plan and God's purpose, if something falls in between there, God can answer it. So if we were to look back and we think about Moses last week, let's just say that Moses didn't pray and ask God not to wipe the children of Israel out. Was Moses a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes, he was. So could God have started all over with Moses and it been according to God's will still? Yes. But Moses prayed and asked God to spare the people, and God spared the people because it fit within the will of God. And we got to be very careful that when we talk to God and we think about the model prayer, it's supposed to be His will be done, not ours. And that's a lot of times where we get in a lot of trouble when it comes to prayer because we want things our way. It does not work that way. They, it's got to be in his will. And so, because he knows what's best. Tonight, as we look here, there are a lot of cultural sayings and things that people say. And often they're good quotes, good things. And sometimes people think that things come from the Bible, and at times they don't. I heard someone a while back, they said to me, Pastor, where in the Bible does it say, to thine own self be true? It doesn't say that in the Bible. Shakespeare's the one who said that. So that did not come from the Bible. And then I know, mothers, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. I know some of you thought it was, but that's not a verse in the Bible. And then you hear people often, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so those things matter. I've heard people say, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. There's a lot of Christians that try to preach that prosperity gospel, but I don't think that is completely biblically true. But we're not talking about those tonight. Have you ever heard the one where, some, where people say, well, God helps those who help themselves? There's nothing more. That's one of the most unbiblical things I've ever heard. Because you cannot help yourselves. As we were in, I was reading Psalms 40 the other day for my Bible reading through the year. Those doing it, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my going. I couldn't get out of the pit. I couldn't help myself out. He helped me and thank God for that. And then this one, there are a lot of well-meaning people in the world that will say, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not biblical. Now, what happens is, Carla, that's good. So if I go, survey says, there we go. Yeah, that was good. So <laughs> I need to do something with you making that noise at Vacation Bible School. I got, I th- I got a good idea there. I'm going to save that for later. But God won't give you more than you can handle. That's our topic tonight. Does God give me or do, do, does he not give me more than I can handle? That's a good question. 
I'm going to give it to you, and some of you I'm going to give it to you right away because you're going to tune me out pretty quick. So I'm going to give you the answer right away, and then I'll give you the background from the Bible for those who stay awake for the last little bit tonight. Um, someone wrote an article, Mitch Chase. He wrote an article, God will give you more than you can handle. In his post, his article, he wrote this. He said, Christians can make the strangest claims when comforting those who are suffering. What do you say to someone whose life is falling apart? If you have but a few precious minutes with a person who's lost a job, a home, their spouse, a child, or even their sense of purpose, what comfort do you give? We might turn to conventional wisdom instead of Scripture and end up saying something like, don't worry, this wouldn't happen in your life if God didn't think you could bear it. The sufferer may object, head shaking and hands up, but you insist, look, seriously, the Bible promises that God won't ever give you more than you can handle. And there it is, conventional wisdom masquerading as biblical truth. You've promised that person something the Bible never says. In case you zone out, and it's a Wednesday night and some of you could be tired. In case you zone out, I'm going to give you the answer right away. And then I'm going to give you the background on it. And here we go in one sentence. God will give you more than you can handle. But he'll never give you more than he can handle. I will repeat that one more time. We'll have a word of prayer. And then we'll dive into this thing tonight. I told you tonight that God will give you more than you can handle. But he'll never give you more than he can handle. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight in this passage of Scripture as we look at this tonight. And I think a lot of times there are a lot of well-meaning people that will look at the Scripture tonight and just not get the gist of what it's saying. So as we break down this passage tonight, I pray that you'd help us take this in context and see what you're literally saying tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To be fair and honest with you tonight, those who would say God won't give you more than you can handle, they are just trying to help when they say that statement. They are not trying to be bad. They're not trying to be heretics. They're not trying to do things like that. And a lot of times it is taken from 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now the reason why someone would take this passage and say God won't give you more than you can handle because in the Greek the word for temptation there is the same word that's used for like a temptation being tempted with something or a trial in life. So it is the same word. But this is what's very important. One of the things that will help you when it comes to the word of God. Are you ready? Take it in context with where it's written. Look before it and look, look after it. And when you do those things, what you're going to see is... The Bible is the best dictionary in all the world on explaining what a Bible verse is talking about. So like it says, there is no temptation. So you see that word temptation. 
So that word temptation in Greek either means a temptation or a trial of life. Which one of those two is it? You look at that verse, you say, I'm not sure which one it is. And looking at the verse, you wouldn't be able to tell completely. But if we go to the passage, I want you to take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I want to read verse 1 through verse 13. And we'll actually read 1 through 14. And you're going to learn something here real quick about studying the Word of God. So, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And look with me in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye, be, that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat of the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Why was God not pleased with some of the children of Israel? Let's keep on reading. Verse 6, Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Now look at verse 7, Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt God, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither, let's see, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Look at the next verse. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. If we break this down real quick, and I'm going to give it to you quickly tonight, and you'll get this as we go. If we look at what the Bible says in the book of Genesis about sin, Genesis chapter number 4, verse number 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And as we look here, sin, you see how it says, And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. You know, we've talked about before, um, Katie, we talked about the fact that you say that you're kind of a stalker. That you said that. Those are your words, not mine. So, okay, just making sure. We're in church. I didn't want you to deny what you stated as a fact. But in all reality, sin is like a stalker. You and sin have something in common. We'll leave that there. I won't go any deeper than that tonight, Katie. 
But when we look at this, what Paul is doing is he is breaking down, he's retelling the history of the children of Israel here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And how they were prone to fall into sin and how God was not pleased with the children of Israel. Look at what it says in verse 5 there. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, we talked about before, remember how we talked about why the Old Testament's important? It gives us examples. It teaches us things. And so we see in verse 6 there, it tells us, now these things were our example to the intent that we should not lust after things. And as we see that there, as they also lusted. So the Old Testament gives us a great example of what not to do a lot of times. Or at times it gives us good ideas of what to do. Now, we see in these verses, God wasn't pleased with the children of Israel because of four different types of sin. Number one, and you can write this there, the four specific sins that God wanted them to stay away from, number one, was idolatry. It's found in verse number seven. It says, Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Idolatry. And the children of Israel, we see it over and over again in the wilderness. And that's something that they learned a lot of while they were in Egypt. One of the things, the reasons God was not pleased with them was because of the idolatry. The second thing that we see is in verse number 8. It says, Neither let us commit fornications, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt God, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So we see the second sin to stay away from is sexual immorality. You see that right here in those verses. So we're supposed to stay away from idolatry, stay away from fornication, sexual immorality, Fornication is doing something that belongs in marriage, outside of marriage. Adultery is doing something that belongs in marriage, and you're married, and you do it with someone you're not married to. And so we have a lot of kids in the room. I know you know what I'm talking about, and I'll leave that there. And so as we look at this here, so we see idolatry, sexual immorality. The third thing, look at verse number 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring. Maybe you don't struggle with idolatry or sexual immorality. But it's easy to, to become irritable and to grumble about things, right? Sometimes I look at the children of Israel and they just need a snicker sometimes, right? You ever remember those commercials? Someone gets hungry and they get cranky, just give them a snickers and it takes care of it, Right? The children of Israel didn't eat manna a lot of those days. Just they needed Snickers bars falling down from heaven for them. So we see idolatry, sexual immorality, murmuring. And then we also see in verse number 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We see the fourth sin mentioned, pride. At the core of sin is pride. Where we think we know best, this is where Paul puts it down for all of us. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So what we see in these verses, we see four types of temptation mentioned. Idolatry, 
sexual immorality, murmuring, and pride. Idolatry, what we worship. You think about immorality, how we use our bodies. Grumbling, the words that we use. And pride, our attitudes that God's people have always struggled with and are always going to struggle with. So, in light of that, let's put verse number 13 in that context. So, look at verse 13. So, I'm going to add commentary as we read the verse, okay? And it's in your notes for you if you need it there. So, there hath no temptation. So, as we think about those temptations, what were the ones that were mentioned? Idolatry, immorality, murmuring, pride. There hath no temptation. These things are mentioned there. So in, in light of this context here, there hath no temptation. These four sins and even more. Taken you but such as is common to man. Your temptation that you're facing, when you think about this, is not unique or unusual. Everyone faces them. It's common to man. The children of Israel struggled with these. We all struggle with these areas. And it says, but God is faithful. You can count on God's character. The first place to start with temptation for yourself, you've got to look to God. God's where we begin. We look at his character of faithfulness. And the Bible says, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So if you put that into context and think about it, with being a Christian, having Christ in your life, as you walk in the Spirit and do battle, you can handle the temptations with God's help. And he's given, and let's keep on reading. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. It says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. When you think about this word escape, it's a very vivid thing. It was used of an army that was totally surrounded. And then there's one spot, narrow little spot you could get out. But with the temptation also will make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God gives you all the tools you need to endure the temptations that come into life as a Christian. That's what the verse is talking about. So you look and say, well, what temptation is it talking about? It's not talking about the trials of life. It's talking about the temptations of idolatry, immorality, murmuring, and pride. That's what happens when you take the Bible in context. I've studied the Bible a long time, and I've heard sermons galore, and I've never heard a sermon on this topic like this. But anyways, we'll leave that alone. So after you meditate and you look on this verse and you study it, there's some things that, and let me see if I put this in the notes for you there. And there's some phrases I thought of as I study this. The first one is look out. Be on the alert for temptation. And don't be surprised when you get tempted because no one's immune from it. There's no vaccine to get immune from it. I know we think that, uh, I know we think at the end of the, you've got to understand, 
sin has been sin has died right supposedly in our lives as long as you got this flesh you're going to be struggling with it you will get tempted not me hey you better watch out take heed lest ye fall isn't that what the bible says right here no one's immune look out secondly look up put your focus on the faithfulness of god and count on his character and then number three look around see your escape route and don't hesitate to get out of there. I hear some pastor, I was tempted to do wrong and I just I had no I had no choice. You have a choice. You really do. Let's be honest tonight, okay? Why do we get into trouble? Why do we murmur? Because we choose to. Why do we commit other sin? Because we choose to. God has given you all the tools you need to get out of that temptation without sinning. I'm being honest, right? You have the Holy Spirit of God. If you let him lead you, and you use the tools that God's given you, you can get out of the temptation without messing up. Why don't we do that? Because we like to sin. That's why. And so you might say, well, pastor, I still don't think it's talking about temptations. I think it's talking about trials. For those of you who are hard-headed, look at verse 14. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, flee from idolatry. You see, he mentions one of the things he already said. These, you need to stay away from these things. Temptations is talking about those things that we mentioned. So let's come back to that quote. God won't give you more than you can handle. I want to give you a couple thoughts about that. And then I'm going to talk about suffering for the rest of the night. And give you some thoughts on suffering and what the Bible really says. And so the first one is this. When we think about that quote, God won't give you more than you can handle, the first thing is, it's not true to life or to the testimony of Scripture. People often face way more than they can handle. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Because it's more than you can handle! Right? Did Job have more than he could handle? Yes. Peter? Paul? John? Yes. It's not true to life to make that statement that God won't give you more than you can handle. Second thing is this. This thinking brings God down to our level. Because what we're doing is we're saying that just sounds fair, right? It's, it's, if, if that, if this is, if God is loving and God is all these things, God won't give you more than you can handle. We put God into a little box and make God what we want him to be. That's not our job. And far too many Christians, they play around with their own little God, and they don't even know who the God of heaven is. He wrote a book, and he told us all we need to know about him. You don't need to put him into a box. You know why idolatry is wrong and why idols are wrong? Because the God of heaven can't be contained into anything. That's why. The third thing is, you got to remember, who is he the, who's 
who's the potter and who's the clay? I think he's the potter, right? And we're the clay. Third thing, this quote elevates our abilities and strengths. Since when did God call you to be Superman or Wonder Woman? Let's just admit it. We don't have what it takes to handle the trials of life on our own. We don't. My greatest hindrance, Brian Pattison's greatest hindrance in the Christian life is self-reliance. Thinking I can handle this. I can't. When I try to do things in my own strength and I live the Christian life in my own strength, that's very bad. Because you can't live it in your own strength. To say that God won't give us more than we can handle sounds more like pop psychology or a spiritual pep talk, but it's not true. Next, this is a good thing about this. This can make us feel guilty when we struggle, too. Oh, if I'm struggling with this, then God won't give me more than I can handle. I really am pretty bad, huh? Hard times come. Struggles come. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute as we tie this all together. And this mindset of God won't give you more than you can handle, it also steals our joy. When we feel like God's let us down or that there's something wrong with us, how in the world can we put what James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 tells us? My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. They may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You say, well, that word temptation, is that talking about those sins we were talking about or trials? Talking about trials. Why? Who was James wrote this book. The first verse of the book says it's written to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. They were scattered abroad because of the persecution that came their way, the trials of life. And so context matters with the Bible. So as we look at all of this, and so... Is there suffering in the Christian life? Does God give us more than we can handle? We've talked about that already. God will give you more than you can handle, but not more than he can handle. So what do we do when we face trials? 2 Corinthians is the book, probably one of Paul's most uh, personal letters that he wrote. And Paul being a little emotional, I would say 2 Corinthians would be that book. And so he writes to the fellow Christians there in Corinth. And he gives them, and as he starts out, he kind of is trying to help them. And I, it kind of suggests the fact that maybe they were suffering because of some of the sin that was in their church or because of some things that happened. But I want you to see a few verses, and I want to help you tonight before we go. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse number 4. I think it's up on the screen. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, 
by the word of truth, by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Whew. Quite a list of things listed right there, isn't there? How about 2 Corinthians 7 verse 5? For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. That doesn't sound like God won't give you more than you can handle, Paul. No, Paul says there was trouble everywhere. Without were fightings, within myself were these fears building up. And so as we look at these things, and we think about this book of 2 Corinthians, I don't have time to do a full study on the book for you tonight. But in the opening chapter, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, the word comfort is used nine times. In verse 3 and 4, and those should be up on the screen, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see how God, look what he comforts us. When you're at the end of your rope, when it's too much for you to handle, God comforts you so that you can make it through your trial. And then that comfort he's given you, you're able to take and give to someone else when they're struggling like you were. I said it earlier, God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, we go a little further, verse 8 and 9, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not, look at what it says here, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. So when we look at that there, I love how Paul refers to them as brethren. Because it's a reminder that... All believers are part of God's family, right? Yes. Now, it's interesting to note as you look through this passage that the word trouble or affliction is used nine times in this letter. It literally means 
to crush, press, squeeze, and break. They were pressed out of measure to the point, Paul was pressed to the point of breaking, is what this says. Above any strength that he possessed of his own. You see that there? Now, what exactly is Paul talking about? There are different things it could have been. It could have been, the Bible t- says in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus. Or it could have been that silversmith mentioned in Acts chapter number 19 who made the shrines of false gods and he threatened Paul for what Paul did. Who knows what exactly Paul's talking about here. But we see the fact that it says, as we keep on reading there, it says there, where am I at? I lost my spot. That's never good when you lose your spot. It says in verse number 8 and 9 again, it says there that they were pressed out of measure above strength. You see that phrase, above strength? Which means they were burdened beyond what they could handle themselves. So to say that God won't give you more than you can handle goes against what Paul is saying right here. Paul says, I was pressed beyond, above any strength that I had. This literally was tearing me apart. He says there, if you keep on looking, it says basically he had a sentence of death. He was walking around as a dead man. And we had the sentence of death in ourselves. But do you see, this is what happens. And we see this here. All of this was way more than Paul could handle on his own. And do you see this phrase there? Why did this happen? What was God doing? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. You know, the Christian life, it's not a journey from dependence to independence. But instead, it's a process of moving from self-reliance into a deep spiritual reliance on God for everything. Far too many Christians are too independent when it comes to God. We need to be dependent on Him. As you need air to breathe tonight, you need God to get through the Christian life. You cannot trust in yourself. A lot of Christians try to. When life is miserable and things are out of sorts, we must rely on God. One of God's purposes in the trials of life that come is to get us to trust Him. The psalmist, I love how he worded in Psalm 121.1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. You see, the Lord is the one. We need Him. As we think about this tonight, and as we tie it all together and finish up, the summary is this. How can I apply these things to my life? Well, temptation, trials, whatever the case may be, first thing, number one, look for a way of escape when facing temptations. 
God will make a way of escape. When you feel surrounded by sin and you feel tempted to sin, God will give you a way to escape. Isn't that what the scripture said that we read earlier? That's what it said. Secondly, live to expect trials. Trials will come. Yea, all that shall live godly shall suffer persecution, right? But God did not promise us a wonderful, perfect, peaceful life. We have a very good today. Study the Bible. Pick up Fox's Book of Martyrs and read about those who gave their lives for the faith. We have a very good today. Live to expect trials. And then number three, lean in and express trust when facing trials. Trust in the Lord is what I mean. You see, God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. God will give you more than you can handle so that you'll realize you can't handle it on your own. God will give us more than we can handle so that we'll give him the handle to steer our lives. The key to the Christian life, and let me help you tonight. This is not going to make a lot of sense. The key to the, you say, Pastor, the notes are done. I got a little bit more. You'll be all right. That's why we, that's why we only sang two songs, because I want to make sure we got this all in tonight. The key to the Christian life is not to be strong in our strength. Be strong in Him. You look at the armor of God, how does it begin? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God gives us tasks and tests and trials that are bigger than us so that we'll give Him the glory as He works through our weakness. One of the hard things for us to admit is the fact that we're weak. I'm not weak. You are. If you weren't weak, you wouldn't need God. Uh, Pastor, I'm strong. Okay, then you don't need God. The Lord laid it out for Paul. And I want you to think on these verses as we close tonight. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. We don't know exactly what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. But what we do know is that that Paul asked God three times to take it away. Here, let me help you with prayer as well. It wasn't God's will to take it away, and he didn't. And Paul accepted that. You have a prayer, you say, well, and this is the thing, church, a lot of times you don't know the will of God, and you keep praying. But if God answers your prayer with a no, then you submit to him. If he gives you a yes and answers it, praise God. If you don't get an answer, just keep on praying. Paul prayed and sought the Lord three times to take this away from him. And look at these words. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. God says, my strength is made perfect. Perfect in weakness. 
And what does Paul say? Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. Why would you take pleasure in having a hard time? For when I am weak, then am I strong. When we're weak, that's when he can be strong for us. When we are strong, we don't need him. That's why it's amazing how many people, life's going good. I don't need God. And then the hard times come, and then you go back to praying. You need God just as much in the good days as the bad days. We always need him. And Paul says, I sought the Lord, and the Lord said, my grace, my grace will get you through. And I love how it says there, it says, it says my strength is made perfect in weakness. You will never experience the strength of God in your life if you aren't made weak. That's why Paul could say, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses. He says, for Christ's sake, not when he's just doing dumb things. There, there are times we get in trouble because we do dumb things. That's not what Paul's talking about right here. He says, for Christ's sake. You see that there? For when I am weak, then I'm strong. God will give you more than you can handle tonight. But he'll never give you more than he can handle. Stop trying to live the Christian life on your own power. And let him be the strength of your life. Christian, you're struggling tonight with sin. We talked about those sins. God's made a way for you to escape so you can bear it. Wherever you're at tonight, temptations, trials of life, I think there's quite a bit we could learn tonight. And hopefully not a whole lot of new questions created out of what I said tonight. And if you got questions from this, send me a text and I'll do my best to answer those questions. When David was at wit's end, he said in Psalm 61, verse 1 through 3, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer from the ends of the earth. Well, why isn't one through three there? It's amazing how that works. So I'm going to have to. So hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer from the ends of the earth. While I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When you're just going through it and you're like, I'm at my wits end, I can't take anymore. When you're weak, that's when he's strong. And the Bible gives us example after example of example of Christians who were weak that the Lord strengthened and helped them get through where they were. And he'll do the same for you tonight. Father,